Oh, so I think I'm, I'm one of the last, which means if we go late today, it's my fault. Um, but if you're not okay with that, it just means you don't love Kevin. So, um, no, Kevin, I, so I, I must confess, I did lie to you. Okay. Um, his, and you got me into this because you told him we were heading south passing through. So you asked me last night, you said, so where are you guys going? We're unloading the truck. I said, uh, Alabama, because we were going to eat fish. We were going to Alabama. I didn't lie. And you said, so what are you guys doing in Alabama? I said, I'll catch up with old friends and maybe throw some business in there, right? No, I didn't lie. And then last night, you asked me again, where are you going in Alabama? And I went, we're going to Dothan, and we're going to do this. I guess by now you know we're not going to Dothan, and we weren't passing through, and this whole thing was a setup. Um, I tell you what, I, have, um, I hope I can get through this. Because I've been a mess ever since we got started. Um, I think it says so much that your wife, wanting to pull out all the stops and do the most meaningful thing for you for your 40th birthday, has brought all the people that you love together and stuck them in one room and said, hey, let's have a church service. Amen. Um, amen. And that, um, and that reflects the Kevin that I know and I love. And, you know, brother, I've known you for six years now, thereabouts. And um, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. And uh, the brother was talking about the special relationship that Christ had with the Holy Spirit. And he was explaining and expounding on the fact that Christ never had to explain himself with the Holy Spirit. He could just speak. And know that he was understood without having to justify his words. And I love that we have that kind of relationship. To where I can be open and honest with you. You can be open and honest with me. And I don't feel the need to have to say, now, now, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say here. And you don't either. Because we understand each other. And we understand that we both love the Lord. And um, so what I know you don't want me to do is stand up here and talk about all the ways in which Kevin Wells is awesome, okay? Which I could do. I've got 15 pages of notes here. <laughs> but what, I'm, what I want to do is to do something that you already do. I want to use your life to admonish us this morning. And I want to use your life and how it points to Christ and the value of him above all else. Because that's what I see. That's what I see in your life. I see a man who loves God more than anything else in the world and who is willing to sacrifice and forsake all else for him. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to go to the Word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to preach a little bit. And like I said, if we go over and, you don't, and you're not happy about it, it means you don't love Kevin. Let's preface this with that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. And this little context, this is coming right after the parable of the sower. And then immediately after the parable of the sower, we see the parable of the weeds. Okay, and Christ is teaching about the weeds that grow up in the wheat. And then right in the middle, we see two verses. And it's a, the, the, the passage is laid out in a warning, these two verses, and another warning. 
And I think what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, here's the warning, here's the test to know if you are the wheat or you are the weeds. And the two verses are this, verse 44 and 45. Verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he has. Now, the point of these two verses is not that we have to sell all that we have and give all that we have to gain Christ. Amen? The point of these verses is that God and his kingdom and himself is the greatest treasure. It is the pearl of great prize. It is the thing worth pursuing above all else. And we should and could and will give all that we have for him. I appreciate your life so much because you value Christ above all else. And I, and I know that you're sitting there this morning and going, well, no, you know, I know that I don't, and you don't understand my sin and all this. I get it, okay? I get it. I want to look a little bit at this morning of why Christ is the pearl of great price. Why he is to be treasured above all else. And also, right now, I want to look a little bit at why nothing else is worth pursuing. All right? So, let's jump over to probably the most edifying book in the Bible. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. <coughs> Love Ecclesiastes. All right, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I'm not really going to go through the text because I don't want to keep you here all day. But we're going to go look at Ecclesiastes a little bit. Now, Solomon, wisest man that ever lived, he's probably also the wealthiest, most powerful man that ever lived as well. No end to his resources, no end to his wisdom, and he did us all a great favor. Because I don't have, I'm not the most wise man in the world, and I'm not the most wealthy man in the world, and I'm not the most powerful man in the world. But what Solomon did is he did us all a great favor, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all my wisdom, and I'm going to see if there's anything worth pursuing under the sun. If there's anything on this earth that has any value in it whatsoever, right? And so he went after the things that we all strive for. He went after pleasure. He went after success. He went after the good life. I mean, you name it, the things that our world pursues, he went after them, and he did them all to the ultimate degree, as in you couldn't do it anymore. So he's building things. I mean, he built the temple. It took, I think, 23 years, 23 or 26 years to build the temple. And then he built his own palace, which took more longer than that to build his own palace. And he built palaces for all of his wives and his concubines, 700 or 300 uh, wives and 700 concubines. The man was insane. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at the things that he built, he accomplished more than I'll ever accomplish. He built more than you will ever build. And you know what? He got to the end of it and he said, it's all vanity. It's pointless. It's empty. There's nothing here. So he said, you know what, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to kick my feet back, and I'm going to enjoy all that I've accomplished. And his slaves, man, if Solomon didn't want to put his socks on in the morning, he didn't put his socks on. He had people to do it for him. And he just sat back and enjoyed the good life and the easy life. How many, how many of us desire the good life and the easy life and just go, man, I wish I just had the money. I didn't have to deal with my job. I didn't have to deal with coworkers. I could just kick back. Well, Solomon did it. And he did it bigger and better than any of us ever will. And you know what he said when he got to the end of it? It's vanity. 
It's all vanity. There's nothing in it that satisfies. There's nothing in it that completes me. Then he went after women. 700 wives and 300 concubines or 300 wives and 700 concubines. You know, I think he probably had more than anybody ever. And you know what he said at the end of that? Vanity. It's all vanity. It's all empty. It's all empty. And he said, you know what, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to throw parties. He's throwing parties for 30,000 people, months on end. You go to Chronicles, you can read how much food they went through in one night for these parties he's throwing. It's insane. It's insane. And he's, he's, he's not just going, hey, I like this band. Let's have them come over. He's buying the band, right? He's like, you're mine now. You live here. We're partying every night. And he partied harder than anyone ever has. You know what he said? Vanity. It's all vanity. There's nothing in it. And the danger for me is that I don't have unlimited resources, I don't have unlimited power, and I will never achieve all that can be achieved. I will never party all that can be partied. I will never be able to test those things to see if there's anything in them. But the danger is, for you and for me, we have just enough power, and we have just enough money, and we have just enough time to continually reach for the next thing. And go, if my house was a little bit bigger, I really don't like our appliances. If we could just get better appliances. If, man, this truck is broken down all the time. If I could just get a better truck. Maybe if we just had a little bigger camper. Or maybe if we could just get that cabin out in the woods. Or maybe if my wife could lose a little weight. Or maybe if my husband could grow some hair, you know? I mean, <laughs> I see some shinies. I'm, I'm going to be joining you real quick. There's a reason I've got this comb over going on, okay? But what do we do? We, we seek after those things, and when we achieve them, guess what? Well, but what do we get for a little bit? Just enough pleasure and just enough happiness to go, man, this, this phone is getting real slow, and the screen's cracked. And I remember how I felt when I first got this thing. I, I think I'm going to get a new one. And you get a new one, it's like, oh, it's the coolest thing ever. It, it does that. I didn't know they had phones that did that, you know? But guess what? After a while, the phone gets broken again. After a while, the truck breaks down again. After a while, the appliances are busted again. The kitchen's broke down again. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. And you know what? At the end of all that, Solomon said, he said, you know what? The only thing worth pursuing under the sun is God. Period. That's it. That's the only thing worth pursuing. I am so very, very thankful to God for who he is, that he has called me, that he is not just a God who created it all, set it in motion and said, well, good luck. I hope you all do okay. But he's a God who created it all, set it in motion and said, now I'm going to reveal myself to you because I want you to see me for all that I am in all of my glory, in all of my worth. And I want you to worship me and enjoy me for all eternity. Amen. That's the God that we serve. And, you know, when, when Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, that's what he's talking about. He's going, look, persecutions, sufferings, man, those things are bad. No one likes those things, but you know what? If our eyes are on God, if he is our greatest treasure, do you know what we get at the end of that suffering and the pain and the hurt? We get God. Job, the book of Job, Job lost everything except for his nagging wife. The only thing God left him was a nagging wife. That was it. That was it. And at the end of Job... 
does Job get the explanation? Does God come over and go, all right, Job, so let me, uh, let me go ahead and explain to you why I did all this. And No, what does God do? He gives Job, in his time, probably the single most greatest revelation of who he was and is. And he says, Job, you know what I'm going to do for you now? I'm going to give you me. And I'm going to let you see me and all of my power and all of my sovereignty and all of my mercy and all of my humility and my gentleness and my holiness and my perfection and my sovereignty. I'm going to let you see me, Job, and in your heart is going to well up such a joy and such an awe of me and who I am. You know what the greatest thing getting to heaven is going to be? I hear people all the time, and they say, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to drive a red convertible. And Oh, man, my, my golf game is going to be perfect in heaven, and I'm going to go fishing, and I'm going to, you know. You know what? You know what the greatest thing about going to heaven is going to be is he's there. He's there. You know when you're, maybe your you're pastor's teaching, maybe Kevin, you're teaching, and he teaches you something you'd never seen in the Word before, and you know that feeling when you go, oh, wow. Or maybe you're reading the word for yourself and you're studying and something hits you and God, God just goes, I want you to understand this. The Holy Spirit opens your heart and he just blows your mind with a truth from his word. You know that feeling, right? God is an infinite God. You know what we're going to do for all of eternity? That. Right there. We're going to learn of him for all eternity to have those moments to go, oh my Oh, wow, you've got to be kidding me. Kevin, did you, did, did you just see what I saw? Like, this is incredible. And we're going to hit our face and we're going to worship for a couple million years. Then we're going to get up and we're going to do it all over again. That is what's going to be amazing about being in heaven is because we are with him. But, but, if right now your greatest treasure is not Christ, that doesn't sound too exciting to you. Because what every single one of us has to decide is if God is the end or he is the means to the end. Because for me, for a lot of years, he was a means to an end. God was the person that I served because I wanted stuff. I wanted health. I wanted him to bless my work. I wanted him to bless my finances. And so you know what? When things got bad, I spent time in the Word. And I prayed. And I went to church because, well, things are going bad, so God is after me. i got to get this right so he can, he can get me going again, right? And he was not the end. He was a means to the end. So I love God's grace and his mercy and his loving kindness and his forgiveness because he has been so very, very patient with me. And he has revealed himself to me and his glory and his character. And you know what? He is worth more to me than anything else. A couple weeks ago, I came up against a hard decision. And it was one of those things that no one else knew. Just me. And I had to make a decision. Do I do the right thing or do I not do the right thing? And I wrestled with it because by doing the right thing, people get hurt. And I don't want to do it. And I'm wrestling with God. 
And I'm, he, 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 you know, and I'm giving him the reasons, you know. Well, God, you know, but this, this might happen, and this could happen. And, and he hit me with a question that stopped me dead in my tracks. And the question was, am I worth it? I got nothing else to say at that point. Because I know he's worth it. And, and every, every decision that we come to in life, every sin that we have in our life comes down to that one question. Is he worth it? Is he worth my faithfulness here? Is he worth my obedience here? And the answer is, over and over and over again, he is worth it. Amen? And, and the, incredible, the incredible thing about God is when we see him as worth it, and when we obey, and when we believe, what do we get? Better understanding of who he is. And the joy goes deeper. And the peace goes deeper. And the satisfaction goes deeper. And everything else in this world looks more petty. So what I want to do this morning, I want to, I want to look at five things that having Christ as our ultimate treasure does. And this is where I'm going to brag on you a little bit, okay? And I'm also going to brag on God at the same time. Um, so, I want to look at five things that having Christ as our ultimate treasure produces. And these are not the only five. These are just the five that I'm going to pull out right here. I, I, I want to add this right here. You know what God's greatest treasure is? Somebody, what's God's greatest treasure? It's himself. It's not us. It's himself. If God places more worth on something other than himself, guess who's God? That thing. There is nothing more valuable and more worthy than God himself. And the only thing worthy of God placing his worship in and his glory in is himself. It's himself. It ain't me. It's him. And you know what? The only thing worth glorifying in me is who? It's him. It's him because I know me. I know my sin. I know my heart. And it's a mess. And it's a mess. And, but it's Christ in me. I told my wife a few weeks ago, I was talking to someone else. We were, we were road tripping back down to Guatemala. And I was talking about my wife. And I was talking about my marriage. And as I'm telling this other, this other guy about my wife and my marriage and what I love about marriage and my wife, it hit me. And I went, oh, my. I know what I love most about my wife. And so I called her and I said, I, I, I just had this realization I've never had before that I, I know what I love the most about you. From the moment I met her, do you know what I love the most about her? Christ in her. Christ in her. What attracts me to her more than anything else is when I see Christ in her. Why? Because he's my ultimate treasure. If it were anything else, then that would be my ultimate treasure. But man, when I get to see my God... When I get to see my Christ in my wife or in Brother Kevin, my joy is so deep. Not because, not because Kevin's awesome. Not because my wife is awesome. They're pretty good. But Christ in them is awesome. And I love them for it. And you know why Kevin values people from different races and different socioeconomic um, standards? You know, you know why? Because they're his brothers in Christ or his future brothers in Christ, and that gives them all the worth they need. It's all the same. 
It's all the same. So let's look at five things real quick. Number one, if Christ is our ultimate treasure, it produces faithful service in us. Do you know what I got when I was my ultimate treasure? My spiritual walk looked like this. Doing good, doing good. Boom. Rock bottom. Oh, doing good, doing good, doing good. Bam. Rock bottom. Why? Because I was my ultimate treasure. And I will fail myself. And my faith in myself will be shaken. My admiration in myself will be shaken. And it should. Because I'm fallen. And like I said before, I'm a mess. But man, when he is my treasure, everything changes. And it's no longer about me. And when I fall, and when I fail, and when I sin, and Satan goes, well, you are a real mess. I can't believe God even does anything with you. Instead of saying, you're right, I'm so bad. You know what I do? I go, you know what, Satan, you're absolutely right. But you know what? Man, I am not made righteous by my works. I am made righteous by his works and by his resurrection and his work on the cross. Amen? It's not about me. And so you know what? My spiritual life went from looking like this to more looking like this. It's got some dips in there. It's got some dips. But he's my ultimate treasure. And Kevin, well, I think you said last night, you've been in the ministry 20 years. 20 years of faithful service. 20 years of faithful service. And I believe with all my heart that Christ is your ultimate treasure. There are plenty of young men going into the ministry today who want to be the next John Piper. I want to be the next celebrity preacher, and they last about three years. Because the position and the fame and the recognition that they think they're going to receive is their ultimate treasure. And they find out it's not there. And the only way that you stay faithful in the ministry is having him as your ultimate treasure. Because you don't need the recognition, and you don't need the pats on the back, and you don't need the fame, and you don't need the position because you've got him. And one of the things that I love about you, brother, is you play second chair, maybe third chair, and you're happy. You're not trying to play first chair. You're not trying to be out front. You're not trying to go, all right, all y'all look at me. I'm amazing. No, you're too busy going, hey, y'all look at him. Amen? I love that about you. Number two, Christ as our ultimate treasure produces a love for other believers. Kevin, you and I were talking about this last night. If Christ is my ultimate treasure and I love him more than anything in the world, I will realize that every other believer has Christ indwelt in them. And they are created in his image. And because they are his and because they are in him and because they are in his image, I'm going to love them. Not because of anything they are or anything they have done, I'm just going to love them. Because they're his. And the same thing is my greatest, my greatest satisfaction, my greatest pleasure in my wife is that Christ in her, my greatest satisfaction in my brothers and sisters in Christ is that Christ is in them. That Christ is in them. And because he gives grace, I'll give grace. And because he forgives, I'll forgive. And because he is humble, I'll be humble. It's all about him. Not about me. Not about me. So if Christ is my ultimate treasure, brother, and I believe Christ is your ultimate treasure, And I think that's why you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter race, socioeconomic status, country, language, you love them because they are in Christ. They are your brothers and sisters. And when you look at them, you see Christ. And I love that. 
I love that. Number three, Christ as our ultimate treasure produces unity. Produces unity. If it's all about me, I don't care about unity. I care about me. And if someone falsely accuses me, what do I want to do? Buddy, I'm about to go lay the smack down. All right? <laughs> Somebody's about to get throat punched here. All right? That's me. That's my personality. All right? You can ask my mom. I was a horrible kid. You can ask my mom. All right? You push me, I'm pushing back, and you're going down. Like, that's my flesh, and that's my personality. But you know what Christ in me does? You know what him as my ultimate treasure does? It crushes my pride. And it brings me to the point to where, you know what? I don't care if it's just. I don't care if I feel like I've been heard. I don't care because you know what? He's been betrayed. He's been lied about. He has been maligned. And how did he respond? Humility and love and, and mercy. One of the most mind-blowing things to me is that the God of all creation, who is worthy to be praised, he is holy, 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 he is righteous, he is all-powerful, he is sovereign, he's the creator over all, he's the sustainer of all, is that he's humble. He's humble. And if he is my greatest treasure, I'm going to be humble. Not because, not because pastor told me to be humble, not because it's going to get me something, but because he's humble. And I want to reflect him because he is my ultimate treasure. And so having Christ as our ultimate treasure produces unity in that way, and that it's no longer about me. And if I, can, if I can go low, and if I can apologize, and if I can make it right with my brother and my sister in Christ, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't matter if I'm hurt. It doesn't matter if it's just. What matters is there's unity in the body. Amen? Number four, Christ as our treasure produces joy unshakable. About eight years ago, I taught through the book of Philippians. And as I was studying through the book of Philippians, when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, I did the homework, I exegeted the snot out of that passage, and I went through and I understood how it's possible to rejoice in the Lord always, that he's not just saying that, just throwing it out there, he really means it. And I understood how it worked, and the whole, whole time that I'm teaching it, I'm going, God, I, I see how this works. But on the worst day of my life, God, could I really have joy? Could I really rejoice in who you are? And God took us to Guatemala. And he gave me the worst day of my life. And it was the worst day of my life. He gave me the worst six months, 12 months of my life, all right? But on the worst day of it, you know what? I had unspeakable joy. And it didn't come out. I wasn't dancing around the room laughing. It came out in tears. It came out in tears. And not tears of of pain, but tears of joy. Going, God, as far as this, this pain runs, as much as this hurts, man, you're awesome. You are worthy to be praised. That's just unreal, God, that I'm sitting here on this day right now worshiping you for who you are and what you've done. God, you are amazing. 
He gives us joy unspeakable. Because if my joy is in my family, my wife's going to be mad at me. And that's a guarantee because I'm not, not a perfect husband. My kids are going to disobey me. If my joy is in my job, if my joy is in recognition, if my joy is in my finances, if my joy is in my things, whatever it is, it will let me down and my joy will be gone. But the only thing that gives me sustaining joy is Christ. And when he is my ultimate treasure, I've got joy. I've got joy, and it is unshakable. <laughs> Lastly, number five, Christ is our ultimate treasure, produces a love for his word. Produces a love for his word, because man, if he is my ultimate treasure, I want him, and I want all of him. And I know that he is infinite, and nothing gives me more joy than going to the word and seeing him. You know what? He did, not, he did not give me this book right here primarily just to give me the answers to all my problems. Do you know that? Do you know why he gave me this book right here full of his words? He gave it to me to reveal himself to me so that I could see him and go, Oh, wow. God, you are on. You've got to be kidding me. Really, like, you were faithful right there. Like, I would have killed them all, you know? And you go and you look at the Old Testament and you see his faithfulness and his love and his patience. And you know what? In the past, I looked at all those Israelites and went, y'all are a bunch of morons because y'all can't get anything right. You know what? I look at them now and you know who I see? I see me. I see me. And I go, God, thank you so much that you are a God, gracious and merciful, full of loving kindness forevermore. That's the God that we serve. And so what I want us to do this morning, man, Kevin, we are here to say we love you. We are here to say we appreciate you. We are here to rejoice with you at what God has done in the 40 years of your life so far. And we're here to rejoice at his faithfulness in your life. Because I know that you wouldn't have it said any other way that the reason you are where you are and the reason you've touched the lives that you have touched and the reason you are faithful and the reason you seek unity and the reason he is your ultimate treasure is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I thank God for giving us godly men who we can look at and aspire to be like them. What did Paul say? He said, hey, be imitators of me as I'm imitating Christ. I know that's the heartbeat of Kevin's heart. I know it's like, oh, that's the cry of your heart, brother. To say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't imitate Kevin as I imitate Kevin, because that's a mess, right? And I love that God gave us the opportunity today to be here and worship together and laugh together, rejoice in Him together, look at Him together, and and to honor Kevin. And really, Kevin, when we honor you, we're honoring God. We're honoring God. And my challenge today for you guys is this. You know, if Christ is not your ultimate treasure, seek him out. Because if you get your eyes on him, and you see him for who he is, he will be your ultimate treasure. But there's also a pretty heavy warning as well. Because God is a jealous God. And he will not share his glory, nor your life with anyone else or anything else. 
And if you are his child and you have something else other than him that is your ultimate treasure, you know what he's going to do? He's going to burn it to the ground. And I thank him for that. Because my prayer is to go, God, hold me fast. And if ever my eyes begin to stray from you, grab me and yank me back. Do not let me stray. Because I know, even though my flesh many times says, that over there looks pretty good, the Holy Spirit in me goes, you know it's not. And you know he's better. And I am thankful I am thankful to have a God that if I have something in my life that is more important to him, he will take it from me and he will burn it to the ground. You look at the Old Testament, people of Israel. What happened every time they sought after idols and they treasured idols more than they treasured him? What happened? He burned it to the ground. Why? You see the heart come out. You see the wrath. You see, you see the righteous anger. You see the justice. You see the hammer coming down. And then what do you see? But I will not be angry forever. I am merciful. And I am forgiving. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting to welcome you back to me. And to restore you so that I can be your God. And you can be my people. And you can be with me. Amen? So the warning is that. If you have anything in your life that is more important to you than God, he'll take it. He'll take it. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. Because you know what happens when he gets done taking it? Your eyes go back to him, and then he's your ultimate treasure. And I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. Um, Kevin, man, I, I love you. I love you, my brother in Christ. Um, you know, it's just... I've had the, <coughs> had the privilege of ministering to you, and I've had the privilege of being ministered to by you. Um, and I've had the privilege of walking beside you in ministry. And I pray that God blesses you with many more fruitful years of ministry. And that as, as you continue to serve him faithfully, your joy in him just goes deeper. Just goes deeper. And, um, and as your joy goes deeper, I pray everyone else around you sees it. That you put him on display. And um, yeah, so thank you, brother.